0: What's up, everybody? Yeah. Hey. Welcome hey. back. Hey. Welcome back to 97.1 The Jam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Your hit station.
0: We haven't done that in a while. Or maybe Man. we have. I don't know. Welcome back to the 90s. Like I always say, I kind of black out through the opener. and Maybe we recycle a lot of them. Maybe we don't. Speaking of blacking out. And recycling. Yeah. Hunter's not here. Hey. Uh, hey. Oh. oh, sorry. Yeah. That was inappropriate. Uh recycling old uh guest is Yeah, I don't guest? know. I'm a little nervous. He works for the
1: place, so can he really be a guest? Yeah. Other than one of our members Tim, Caleb is easily the guy that comes up on this podcast the most when he's not here. Yeah. But today he is
0: here. So we will speak kindly. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We- welcome Caleb. Hey,
2: welcome Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> totally unprepared for that. Yeah, yeah that's okay. how it
1: happens. So yeah. Caleb is here for very specific reasons. As everyone inside the Coyote Fitness community knows, he read a book one day about the gut and his whole life changed, (laughs) right? That's how the story goes. It really is. Now he
0: lives by his gut.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, So he has become a guy that has helped people um, patiently over long periods of time, completely change their view on nutrition, how it integrates with fitness, how it integrates with with just overall health really attacking probably one of the largest Achilles heels in anybody's fitness journey. And that is our intake. Many of us want to believe that it's what we do, how we score, what sugar wide says. But you can be on the top of the sugar wide leaderboard and still selling yourself short uh, because of your intake, but it's a very complex issue. And this is something that you talk about a lot with, with clients, with uh, people one-on-one. And we want to take that conversation very public because the truth is we talk about nutrition and protein percentages and all sorts of things uh, on this podcast because a lot of it filters back to nutrition. Now we've traded Hunter for the expert. That's how we'll say that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think well that's, worded. That's a good way to I'm say I'm feeling it. a lot more confident now.
0: <laughs> I, I was petrified coming that's in. That's right. You yeah. guys have really helped me out here.
1: So we, you have a pretty unique approach. I'm excited to do it this way because we've never had this conversation this way. But you kind of want to track through the arc of someone's life based on decades and talk about the things that are either pitfalls or things that are important based on those decades, which feels a little more approachable because you are only in the decade you're in, right? But mm-hmm. you, your life affects people in other decades as well. So I'm excited to have this conversation. I think we really need to get down to the content because there's so much of it there, um, so much good stuff. I don't want to sell anybody short. So we're actually starting at birth and moving our way to 70-plus you're leaving those... Caleb's birth. <laughs> starting at your birth. Uh, you're assuming that we're going to live to 70 plus, right? So that's one assumption we should call out there. And there may be more decades after the 70s. Yeah, um, either
0: you're selling us short or really over overestimating us. Yeah. I think
2: generally when you get to 80, you kind of can do whatever you want. You've yeah. laid a pretty good foundation. Mm-hmm. My grandmother actually sat us all down and told us when she got to 80... She could say whatever she wanted, and she expected no consequences.
1: I am looking forward to that. So I think eating yeah.
2: is hmm. probably pretty
1: similar. Now I understand <laughs> uh, why people think Steven Saller is 80, because he does that and the gray hair. And it's the and same. That. Yeah. That's yeah. That's right. so, actually, he's not. Thank he you. That's a really good joke. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> All right. So let's start at birth. Let's talk about birth to 10 and the things that work into our lives that are largely outside of our control when it comes to nutrition, right?
2: Yeah. I think the reality is, A lot of people who we work with and a lot of the people in our gym, um, they have someone in one of these stages or one of these decades that has a big impact in their food and their nutrition. A lot of people will experience food with other people on a daily basis. And most of the time, people aren't eating alone. And because of that, there's a lot of temptation, I think, for people in other decades or other stages of life um, that require a little bit of dependency that ends up affecting their own personal nutrition. And so what I'm hoping is that like specifically with going through uh, birth through 10 years old or, Mm -hmm. you know, for kids, for young kids, that this will impact parents as much as their kids will, because ultimately this life stage or this decade is going to be determined by um, the parents
1: who are, who are feeding the kids. That's a lot of responsibility, but it's absolutely true. Uh, you know, we talk about a lot, uh, around here and also in my home, if our kid, if my kids are eating it, it's because I went to buy it and brought it and put it in the pantry. That's right. right? I mean, that's, that's, that's right. my response. They don't go to the grocery store or to Costco or wherever. Um, and a lot of this has to do with the, the marketing specifically towards children. You know, they don't put toys in broccoli right? That's That's, right. That's not how it works. So there's a lot of stuff at play here. Um, but there are ways for us to help maybe start good habits, or as you point out a lot, look back to our own habits, going back this far and give ourselves a little bit of mercy of why these patterns are so difficult to break. Yeah. Right. So, So the things that move in from birth to 10, uh, let's start with those, just some general stuff. I know sugar is a big deal, yeah, uh, so
2: the first one, of course, and that's going to be, you're going to, we'll just go ahead and say it now so we don't have to address it every single one of these decades we go through, but avoiding daily sugar intake is going to be the number one thing. Um, you know, we had Lee Gary on the podcast uh, last year uh, who talked about dental health even, just from a perspective of long-term health. We're going to get into the later decades, but for a lot of people, their health is greatly influenced by their their teeth health. And there's a lot of people who aren't able to eat the foods they need to because from when they were younger they didn't really pay attention to the amount of excess sugar that they were intaking that affected their health in their 60s and 70s and they didn't know a lot of those things like we do now so mm. even from just avoiding daily sugar but ultimately what it's going to do when when we are you know constantly rewarding kids with sugar or it's a treat to have you know a little bit of broccoli you can earn something with sugar it becomes an addiction that we'll see um, will last into the majority of your life. And so trying to avoid that sugar addiction um, and the reward system associated with sugar in our brain, if we can avoid that from the beginning, I would say that's the number one priority um, for for kids in this life stage and for parents is trying to find ways to reward kids beyond, uh, for all
1: intents and purposes, poisoning our body. Jar, yeah. Um, interesting that you say daily sugar, because a lot of people attack this, like, well, we're, we're going to have a no sugar home or, you know, they go yeah, to ridiculous. the extreme. Ridiculous. Yeah. Because
2: right. guess what? The kid's going to go and stay with a friend or they're going to go to school and they're going to get sugar and they're going to be like, mom and dad, why do you hate me? You know, it's not, <laughs> that's the reality is like, there's going to be sugar. We're not going to just say like, all right, you're never going to have candy. Your kid's never going to experience like a cold Coke, um, but the reality is there's daily sugars that my wife's a kindergarten teacher and the things that she tells me that parents send with their kids to school. Um one one of my clients actually told me they were doing a summer camp and one of the parents actually sent cookie dough in the lunchbox as the snack for for the kid. And I was just it it blew my mind. But if you realize, you know, kids going through all the yogurts, right? The go-gurts and the sleeves of yogurt. Yeah. Um the, the cookies, the cookie dough, I mean, mm-hmm. just the craziest things that are the reality for most of the kids around us. Even in schools, the school system, um, the amount of sugar, chocolate milk even, is something that is considered um, a daily staple for the public school system. And so the amount of sugar that kids are intaking in that age, um, this can be a life-altering thing if they learn how to eat food without having that daily intake of sugar. And they still get to have the candy or the you know,
1: the treat. Yeah. To be excessive with it can set some real, that can start messing with your mind. Yeah, So just say we're going to avoid daily sugar. um, And I think you're going to enjoy those treats even more. Yeah. It's very tense as a speaking as a parent, when you, you know, you walk back into your kitchen and you realize that after that sweet bite you had after your meal, assuming you had a meal together, you get about 30 or 45 minutes down the road and your kids are hitting the pantry up again you want? I mean, it's almost as sensitive as religion. To, yeah. to tell your child, you really don't need that. Yep. Put that back. Find something else. It to is,
2: eat. and that kind of gets into some of the daily habits. I think one of the things. So we, you know, sugar, obvious, trying to avoid that. But then going into some of the habits that kids learn from their parents. This is a stage where we, you know, eating is a learned. Art, it's, eat, it's something that we um, look to the people around us and we eat just like them, similar to how obesity and your risk for obesity um, increases dramatically when you have that in your family, in mm-hmm. your direct family. It's something that eating is very much cultural and it's very family tied. And so some of the habits and things that parents can focus on um, during this stage of life is um, eating real food. So if kids see parents eating real food and not the pantry, the things that are stored in the pantry, but going to the store, bringing home fruits, vegetables, lean meat, um, understanding that food comes from the ground or food is grown and that's what we eat predominantly. Is is something that will stay with them for life and that will be normal. Um so eating real food, seeing the food prepared at home, you know, that's one thing that kids these days a lot of times aren't seeing. They're going to the lunchroom and they're seeing food that's on these trays already. They're grabbing food on the way home. Um, and so for a lot of kids, seeing food that's prepared, cooking is like, you know, kids go to college and they're finally on their own, and all of a sudden it's like, I have no idea what. Like, what do you do? You get a pan and you put it, like, how do you heat it
1: up? How hot does it? so the cafeteria even extends that, right? Yeah, it does.
2: And so I think, you know, seeing food prepared at home and seeing real food is a huge, um, that's going to be a factor that's going to affect them for the rest of their life.
1: Staggering to me, uh, driving down Main Street here where we are and seeing the lines wrapped around the local uh, poultry place. How do we say that? (laughs) You know, I'm like... Man, are there this many people who actually don't have food at home that can be prepared? But it's habitual. I mean, this is really what we're getting at in this decade. This is where a lot of habits are formed by watching habits of other people.
2: Yeah, you mentioned it earlier. Grazing, even like mm-hmm. there is a there is a real thing that comes down to when kids see parents um, or their you know um, figures, teachers, even mm-hmm. who are just constantly eating throughout the day instead of what happens all around the world, we sit down and eat in the morning. And then we sit down and eat in the middle of the day. And then before we go to bed, we sit down and eat. Mm -hmm. And then we don't need to eat the rest of the time in between. Like there should be other things happening. But I think for us, it's we sit down, we eat dinner, and then all of a sudden you turn around and it's like, well, what are we going to have for snack while we watch TV and kind of wind down? And so we wind down with food and all of it gets down to that's where excess
1: comes from. Yeah, so you, man, you, what a great transition to the next uh, decade. There's so much we could say about each of these, and probably we should do an episode on each of these. To you know, because all this is in an effort to help, not to uh, chide or berate anyone, but it's information that should hopefully help people navigate, helping other people through these or the decade that they're in to get through that well. Uh, but getting to the to the next one, and this is you know actually made national news that being sedentary earlier in life, it's almost the real pandemic that we have a, a decade of individuals who are now at, uh, tied to screens. Their entertainment is indoors. There's not a lot of stuff happening outside, especially in the deep South, uh, not a lot of stuff happening outside. So we're very sedentary. I'm a victim of this myself, even at 42, the roundage, Shoulders, the computer posture, the tech neck, I mean all that stuff starts in this next decade, especially now, um, after ten and before twenty right
2: yeah, I think this this decade is when kids start to spend a lot more time at school, they're spending eight hours sitting. Um, their activities after school um, will maybe increase a little bit. But um, what I see and what I think about even back to not long ago from being in this decade myself and for a lot of our clients who have kids that start to get into the teenage years is you you have to learn how to eat at school and kids now are going to eat how they remember eating from the previous decade and, you know, those really foundational years. So kids now have the opportunity to eat at school on their own. They start getting into that age where maybe friends start to drive. And so they go off on their own. They go to restaurants, Um, add into that, that this is probably the first time that they're very stressed in life. And so all of a sudden you're eating on your own. So now you're, how did I learn to eat as a kid? Mm -hmm. That's going to start to be the decision that the kids make more often than the parents make. And then you add into Which may be a separate discussion, but I think this is when stress eating starts to become a thing. This is when you really see kids start to take different shapes and bodies start to take different shapes. And there's a lot of growth that happens in this, but there's also a lot of stress, especially in the later teenage years. Um, So, this is kind of the first stage in life where all of a sudden you learn that some people cope with food and their nutritional strategies. Um, or their nutrition really starts to um, show itself in how their body starts to change.
1: Man, I've never put it together this way. I'm, I'm grateful you're talking about it in these terms, but the frozen chicken nuggets and chocolate milk in the high chair and at home turns into chicken tenders and chocolate milk at school, turns into a chicken sandwich and a chocolate milkshake in your teen years. Yeah, the, and all evening. of
2: a sudden, you know, hanging out at Chick-fil-A before the game or after school or before school, Mm -hmm. Um, all of a sudden we're eating those things that are our comforts or the things that we look forward to, especially if you don't look forward to school. It's like, all right, this is going to be terrible. The least I could do is get up and go to Mm Chick-fil-A. And you have no idea that what you're eating is really just having this major insulin spike. It's giving that hit to your brain of sugar that you're addicted to from doing the quick thing. Um, and, And it's not the, you know, we just, I really wanted to be careful not to just like slam parents here for, for a lot of the habits and the things, because we know life is busy. We're going to talk about that for them specifically, but these things are learned and they really do um, influence the decisions all of a sudden when kids get into the teenage years and they make them on their own.
1: Yeah, of course. And I can say as a person participating in this community who's raising kids, the way we're talking about it now doesn't feel like someone's shaming me under the table. It feels like more information that will help me make better decisions to realize the ramifications for the people that are coming after me because I know when I go into a Metcon or, you know, those, those moments where you're in front of the mirror brushing your teeth, your shirt's off or whatever, and you, you know those things like, man, I've been fighting this since I was a kid, and here I am. I've been in Cross for all this time. You know, that stuff sticks, and if you can help that not stick for other people, that's a really big deal. And if you have teenagers in your home and you have a really busy life, Making that decision like, oh, well, let's just swing through here has much larger ramifications than just making the evening easier for the family.
2: Yeah, it's it's putting in the work to do the little things to prepare food the way that our bodies are intended to bring in food um, instead of taking the easy bait. Um, and so there's a lot of different aspects to that. The last thing I'll say about the teenage years specifically is – you know sleep is a really important thing, and I want to tie in some habits and lifestyle habits, but for the teenage years, especially there's so much growth happening, and our sleep needs are are um still more so more than they're gonna be as we get a little bit older and so all the nutrition advice in the world and all the habits that are healthy, if we're sleep deprived, are going to still have a poor effect on our bodies. And so for teenagers, especially, and for parents, you know, we want to eat good. We want to eat clean. We want to avoid all the sugar that, um, you know, that teenagers can find. But at the end of the day, it's also important that they prioritize sleep.
1: Yeah, so I I, I know we're limited on time because we got to get to other things, uh, but I can color this in just a bit. My son is almost 14 has very limited access to social media, which makes him different there <laughs> but um, I receive notifications on a nightly basis between one thirty and two a m of people his age going live on instagram I'm like what are what are, why are they awake you know uh, but the, just the, the sleep deprivation is a really big deal in our uh, addictions to technology, which are almost as strong, if not more than food. Are really affecting that that sleep deprivation and adults suffer that suffer with that too. I know we're going to get to yeah. that in just a moment. So let's push past those teenage years and let's say, all right, now we're in our uh, we're in our twenties. Like, what's happening now?
2: Yeah. So I think, uh, and I put on here the the first note that I was thinking about with this was recognizing alcohol's effect in the body. So that right, makes sense. This is right? this is the twenty one plus. Yeah. Um, and so we'll get into that in a minute. But I think one of the biggest Um, hallmarks of this decade in the 20s is understanding how much stress is going to affect eating and how much increased responsibility is going to correlate with different nutritional strategies and different nutritional habits. This is when life starts to get real. For most people, um, you have a lot of you get married in this decade. A lot of times you have maybe first kids in this decade For a lot of people, um, work becomes a real, like you're all of a sudden tying your career and your retirement and all these things to work. And so this decade is the first one where unless you have made a decision to invest in your health and in your nutrition, it's going to be this is when all of a sudden that kind of stuff can get pushed under the rug and all these other things take priority and you can blink and be at 30 And all of a sudden be
1: unrecognizable from those high school pictures in your high school yearbook. Right. And you come slinking back into a gym somewhere. But the main point you're making here is that um, our coping mechanisms that are established culturally during these years, often during college on a college campus, uh, alcohol is how you handle stress. Alcohol is also how you relax. So you've got it. You're using it in both ways. And alcohol is notorious For adding weight around the middle, which is linked to all sorts of diseases. All that starts at that time. Interestingly enough, though, when you're 23 or 26, you can be involved with those kind of habits, and you don't feel the instant effects.
2: Yeah, you feel invincible still in your twenties, right? I yeah. think when you get into your forties and fifties, all of a sudden the realities of friends who have the you know the the horror stories you hear about people who are very young having a heart attack or stroke, and um, so those kinds of things become realities later. But in the twenties, I think. Um, even from a weight gain, let's take that. Cause I look at 600 in body scans a year, right? And so we've got people from all different walks of life who come in. And one of the things that I think most people forget during the twenties is that even though they're not packing on the pounds and adding 15 and 20 pounds that maybe they blink and see at 45, a lot of times those changes are starting to happen now the lack of activity um, and the maybe non-prioritizing of the gym because you still feel invincible and you're a professional now and you've got a young family, all of a sudden the loss of muscle, the increase of fat can be hidden by the fact that you haven't put on 10 pounds or you haven't put on 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. And so a little bit of the dad bod starts to show up and you're like, well, that's just maturity. You know, that's just (laughs) that's just now I look like I'm a serious professional, right? And it's like um, I think that there's a tendency to think like, you know, I'm not, I'm not young. I got to take my life seriously. I've got responsibilities. And all of a sudden we forget that this decade is going to be where you maybe can look back to, this is when I felt like work was more important than my body. Mm. And this is when I felt like, you know, getting more things done was more important than taking the time to prioritize eating real foods and taking that little bit of extra time to emphasize that. Um, This is when most people look back and say, this is when things changed.
1: Yeah, so when they realize that is the next decade, which is the 30s, we're like, "Crap. <laughs> like this started a long time ago and you you start to pursue fitness in your 30s. Many people do. We see that pattern a lot. And they're talking about their 20s. They idealize the teen years when the glory days and then they regret their 20s and they're trying to fix it in their early 30s. We
2: see, yeah. I would say which uh Hunter could probably speak to this more. Than I would, but I would say that this is probably when we see the most, um, the majority of our members come in. And I would say an average member is probably in their mid 30s, um, just enough to where it's like, all right, I recognize that I don't want life to continue like it's been, um, but young enough to try something new. You know, I think at a certain point, not that it gets too late by any means at all. And we know that's not true, but psychologically, people feel like it's too late. Mm -hmm. And so it makes that barrier to entry even harder. And so this is a decade, the 30s, I guess, as we transition into the 30s, Mm -hmm. is that decade where I think people, it's that perfect mix where you've seen what 15, 20 years of non-activity, non-focus on nutrition looks like, and you're also young enough to try something new and maybe to begin to recognize and be humble enough to maybe see that you're a human.
1: That's a key. Yeah, but this is also the time, and we sh- we could legitimately talk about this because uh, people often say, man, I woke up on my 40th birthday and blah, blah, blah. Like, that just makes my stomach turn. But during the 30s, it's you are beginning to fight the clock. Uh, you're exiting prime, and your body is starting to fight against you in, in minor ways, but it is there.
2: We decline. Yeah, we start to decline in the yeah. 30s. Um, I think, you know, we know just from from how our body is is made and created uh, we kind of we're on the way up in our 20s and then when we hit 30 we start to see you know that our body's going to start to decline one of the major you know hormones we're going to talk a little bit about that later but um we start to lose muscle mass just naturally it starts to happen as we get older um and so this is really when we've got to fight against what is naturally going to happen and do our best to avoid having a really dramatic downward downward slide into Um, the unhealth that we see and almost expect in our culture that happens in the
1: 50s, 60s of our life. Yeah. Interesting that you bring up um, in this decade that there's kind of a return to that external focus that was there very early on with those little kids and the sleepless nights and the start of the career. It's for different reasons because you start looking to the end of your career and being midway maybe, but the focus again, goes very external and a lot of people lose themselves and their own goals goals in their
2: 30s. Yeah, and you lose it because, you know, you think about what happens in your mid-30s and late-30s even. The kids become a lot more active. There's the pressure to want the kids to experience certain things. And so for us, especially in our culture, think about like travel sports, right, and success for kids in sports. That's a huge factor, and I would say maybe the most common denominator of why people struggle with their own personal goals. And so I think for the 30s, it becomes vital that the adults, parents or single parent decide that they are going to set um, boundaries between what they expect to provide for other people and how they want to take care of themselves. And so at this stage, I would say making the, you know, deciding financially what our life is going to look like for the next 30 years um, and how that will affect nutrition and how that's going to affect your, um, your, uh, fitness and your habits concerning fitness and what you expect to lay as an investment in your future. Mm, Um, Because we give so much and we want to, and it's the greatest thing in the world, right? To provide something for your kids and to give the greatest experiences for your kids. But ultimately there's going to be something you're going to want to give your kids when you're 70 and your grandkids when you're 70 and without the investment at 30, right? it becomes a lot harder to give those gifts later in life. So it's almost just trying to say, you know, avoid the temptation of giving 100% of yourself to others and take that time to invest in yourself so you can continue to give through the later decades that we're
1: going to talk about. Yeah, so we're we're about to hit my decade. Which, uh, wow, I can't believe I'm saying that. We're already in the 50s? Yeah. No, Sorry. the 40s, the 40s. Turn 42. I will turn 42 this September. So we could label this the uh, decade that is the point of no return. You know, it's like the light is yellow and you think it's going to turn. It should you. I don't know. Let's push through. This is a difficult decade for a lot of people, because if you don't handle your 30s in a pretty aggressive way, and a lot of us fall into that category, you hit 40 and it's like, oh, I'm over the hill. You have the uh, birthday party with, all, you know, it looks like death and. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff cognitively that goes into this decade, but it really is kind of this do or die moment, right?
2: Yeah, and and of course we're never going to say that it's beyond you of know we're, no one's yeah. beyond fixing these things. Our body's made to adapt, but you're you're right. There's a lot of damage that we could have potentially done for 20 years of um you know 20 years of increased uh, intake of refined sugars and refined carbohydrates and sugar, the the damage that that does to your arteries and to uh, just the frequency of heart disease and type 2 diabetes and these chronic diseases, cancers, all of a sudden that starts to become a little bit more of a reality for people, I think, um, you know, especially as you start going into the later half of this decade. And so I think for most people, there's a lot of maybe a lot of regret or a lot of looking back and saying, I wish I would have. And what I want people to understand about this is that these things are things you can change and you can reverse. Now, obviously, if you have a heart attack in your 40s, like there's going to be damage potentially that's done, you just can't undo it. But Mm. the reality is I think this is when people, and I mentioned it before, start to maybe feel a little bit down about what they have been able to accomplish in the past and they really start to fear what the next couple decades are going to look like. And so there is still so much hope in the 40. We have so many members who are in their 40s and are as fit as they have ever been in their life. And so um there's still hope, but yes, you're right. I think there is a lot of, that's when the scare kind of starts to happen. Like, what have I done? Those members that are in
0: their 40s and are like, are as fit as they've ever been. When did they start their journey mm-hmm. Uh, In the fitness realm.
2: It could be two years. It could be three years. I'm not going to say someone in their first year is as fit as they've ever been. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, the things we know about fitness and what actually work capacity looks like Mm -hmm. a lot of people that if they're in their 40s, 25 years ago, you know, CrossFit didn't exist. Functional movement wasn't really a priority with exercise. And so, what people who were in great shape, you know, and they look back in their high school and they were in great shape, what that meant was they probably did some curls and they ran a lot. And so for us, like their increased work capacity and what their body looks like on the inside, paying attention to muscle mass and body fat composition. That's when we say people can legitimately claim that they're in the best shape of their life because they're capable, especially women. Women who are in their 40s who start at the gym, in their first year of being in the gym and learning how to move and coordinate their body to where they're able to move weight across distances, they are as fit as they have ever been and maybe anyone in their family has ever been.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
2: so it can be a year, it can be six months, it can be three months. Um, but, you know, the the fitness trend, I think, and what fitness was, like you can, Ben, you could probably talk about this, but the aerobic videos and the things that people used to associate <laughs> with yeah. what health and fitness was mm-hmm. is so far, um, we're so far beyond an understanding
1: of health and fitness. Oh yeah, it's transformed over the years, and and even going through uh, the '90s, coming of age in the '90s, what was celebrated then uh, were supermodels that were on heroin. You know, they, they were the those were the females that were getting uh, the images in Times Square. You know, so uh, dep- depriving yourself of food is was kind of celebrated. Fascinating to think about the people who are now in their 40s, the incorrect things that they learned that we're trying to reprogram, you know, for me going at 42, I didn't, I did not start this way of life until my mid thirties. Um, and had all, you know, we don't have time for that story, but yeah, I think we need to point out before we move on to the fifties. It isn't that it is the point of no return. It's that it feels that way. Yes. So that's what Coyote Fitness does, moves into a lot of people in that age bracket and convinces them, Hey, you spend six months in here just kind of doing the bare minimum. You're going to be amazed that you could probably go back and whip your 18-year-old self.
2: Absolutely. That's such a good point. And <laughs> yeah. I promise you and the old t-shirt that people come in and say, you know, the warm our warm up is, you know, harder than your workout, yeah. all this stuff. You know, that's I don't we don't brag about those things, but mm-hmm. the reality is there's a lot of things that we do in the course of a warm up that when people go through their first session of On Ramp, when they come into the gym, there's more volume in the warm-up than in this workout, right? Yeah, Our first workout, yeah. I can't tell you how many people um, sincerely think they're going to die when they do that. And we we make sure that they move at their own pace, but still that shock reaction of not moving for 15 years, that can be a wake-up call for people. And it's so amazing how in two months they're doing more warming up and getting ready for their workout than they were able to do when they walked in. And that's not an over, that's not an exaggeration. I do 50 on ramps a year. So I get to see 50 new people over the past four years. I mean, it has been, um, it's been amazing to see. And I'm more convinced of that.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. People, it can change. All right. So we got to, we got to speed ahead here, get to the fifties. This is the the hormone decade. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I'm not a I'm not a professional in this, and so a lot of this is is things that we have access and information to, and so um, yeah. But it is we we see a lot, and we talk to a lot of people about it, and so um, it's something that is important to recognize. Um, You know, the fifties. I think for for most adults, this is when um, you start to see some changes that you feel like maybe you're not in control of, and so helping give people a little bit of education and helping them understand that you can control some of these things. There's a lot of hormonal aspects to what to aging that, that Mm -hmm. are, that feel out of your control. And to some extent are we're, we're aging. We we cannot live to be 200, right? It's just not going to happen right now. But there's a lot of these habits and things that we talk about for across the board, um, the limiting sugars and the eating a diet that's rich in lean protein and vegetables and nuts and seeds. Um, and Those types of things, people are amazed at how much it really does help them feel like, you know what, I'm not a victim of this waves of hormones and things. What we are is a victim of our society of sedentarism and and. Way, way over intake of sugar,
1: yeah, we're learning more about these hormonal changes as well that we don't just have to be victim to them, but acknowledging in this decade that that is a different stimulus than we've had to face before. Our body's changing in a different way that feels more dramatic because it's hormone based absolutely you know when you have um a decrease in testosterone, that's not something that pushing away from the bag of doritos is going to fix, however, how you treat your potentially, intake- yeah, yeah how you treat your intake can help with those shifts and changes. Absolutely.
2: Yep. And it can make it less dramatic. Um, And again, there's no, there's no way to, um, to downplay the importance of feeling like you're in control. And because I see people and I get to meet with people um, frequently who, who do feel a victim to their hormones and, and very much um, want to place a lot of uh, blame on hormones that could be attributed to, an American lifestyle. Um, Mm. And so what we're trying to do is just help people to give them some um, tools and resources to say, there's a way our body's meant to age and that we can't change. We're not trying to change that. We're not going to try to change the fact that we're getting older and try to just like block it out and say, Oh, we're fit. We can work out. You know, I can do pull ups, so I'm not going to age, but we're trying to just not give the power to those things to say, this is going to determine how you feel. Um, But let's just look at what's the reality and what we can do to maybe minimize the, the uh, negative side effects
1: okay so let's push into the 60s here this is one of the most confusing decades i think currently because you can see someone 62 that has to have someone else do their grocery shopping for them because they physically cannot navigate a grocery store then you turn on the iron man and there are people 60 plus who are whipping folks that are in their 20 like how does this happen
2: yeah the the and especially even you look at the crossfit games that's one of the coolest aspects of the The competition side of fitness is seeing what the age group qualifiers and what the age group crossfit athletes look like relative to um, the average person who is struggling to go to the store and it's just wiping them out for the day to go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about dental health and sugar intake, and when you lose the ability to chew food or when it's just tough, they're not gonna a lot of times I don't even think that it's something that we want to acknowledge. But the reality is having a dental professional come in and tell us one of the greatest factors for our body's health is losing the ability to chew food that we need to eat. Think about fruits and vegetables um, and lean meats. Being able to chew those is a vital part of you being able to sustain and live into your 80s and have that, the strength. Muscle mass is what we're going to define this decade as being um, where I think if we can put all the eggs in the maintaining and prioritizing not losing muscle 30s 40s 50s functional movement if you can live on your own and you can um, accomplish some of these daily tasks that are vital to a healthy body i think you're going to see the the increase in quality of life is hard for us to um, tangibly identify when we're 30 and 40 but when you're in your late 60s i think that if you were to to ask people who are in that decade what they would give to be able to maybe do some of the things they want to, um, it would be no it would be no question. We need to prioritize muscle mass through these years and we need to prioritize being able to functionally move through our day so we're not dependent on someone else
1: yeah so if you're if you are not in that decade, if you're pre that decade, then you'll start putting money in the account so you can write those checks in your sixties, later sixties. If you are in your 60s, then you can start making deposits in that account, paying attention to supplements, um, understanding that it's more difficult to get protein, so I may have to go to supplemental protein more. Well,
2: your body's not able to metabolize. You're not able to... to use the protein as efficiently that you're bringing in. So your protein needs go up. I tell people all the time, most people think of a protein supplement and a bag of protein, or you know, most people's protein, you know, we obviously, we have it at our gyms, but people Mm -hmm. aren't in our gyms. They think protein. It's like, all right, Walmart, they've got some, but GNC, you know, they go in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Protein supplements are not for younger people. They are, we use them and we need to use them, but protein supplements are not predominantly going to be most beneficial Mm -hmm. in the younger stage of life because we're able to take in all the protein that we're eating from food. It's when we start to get older, especially when we get 50, 60, that we're going to almost absolutely have to supplement a protein. And so a bag of protein should be the thing that we see in our parents and grandparents' houses and pantries um, more so than the 20-year-old who's just consuming 100 grams of protein more than they need in a day just because they want to get jacked. What a great picture! It's like a protein supplement is most beneficial, that bag is most valuable to someone who's 65 years old.
1: Hey, Nana, can I have a snack? Yeah, you can have some of my protein. You can make gains. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we wrap up with the 70s and I think we could say all the stuff that we said about the other decades still applies but this is the day where you're really either receiving the benefits or paying the price for when you started taking these things seriously?
2: It's retirement of your nutrition and your exercise. You know, it's people financially, everyone understands, start investing young, you know, it'll pay dividends when you stop working, when you retire, you know, start building the retirement account. It'll buy you freedom, all these different things. But the freedom of investing in your fitness, Your you know, building muscle, functional movement, and investing in your nutrition and and having your body function as it should um i you know i'm really really passionate about this because i can't imagine someone in their 70s who wouldn't who doesn't want to be more active with their grandkids more active in they have freedom from work right a lot of times they're not working so they are the most uh, they have the most potential to impact their communities, their churches, their families, um, and you know to give the things they've been wanting to have the freedom to be able to do. And so if we can invest in that early on, we're giving ourselves a gift of 10 years of no commitments I can do and help anyone that I want to. And so when you're able to do that, I think into the 70s, then you're going to see and experience a lot of joy and a lot of happiness in your life, um, your quality of life. Uh, is going to be improved. So this is when you reap a lot of the benefits. But again, we have people that start in their seventies and, you know, yeah, it's an uphill battle to try to build muscle in your seventies, but you can do a lot of amazing, amazing work to prevent that, to, you know, to lose body fat, to lower your weight so that you're able to functionally move better. Um, And so it's never too late, but this is also the time when you really do see the investment.
1: Yeah, man, the body is amazing, isn't it? You can, you can transform it almost to the final day, it will respond to that stimulus. So what a fascinating way to look at this this whole journey. This has been a lot of information. So before we move to the next segment, what would you say, like here's the one or two things that like focus on this no matter what deca- decade you're in. Those will be some good first steps.
2: Um, don't uh, get off the couch. Like just move. Okay. Because we get we get a lot of people and I am – I'm a huge proponent obviously of CrossFit methodology what we do in our gyms but by no means do I think that it's like either do CrossFit or just stay at home you know it's like no just move just get off the couch please just don't sit just, I hate that our listeners couldn't
1: see his face that was perfect
2: just don't just don't sit down when you get home from work because you sat all through school in a desk you definitely just sat around in college um when you start working you Generally, you sit, you work, you're trying to lay the foundation for your future and your family and you're working hard to provide. Um, and so we just sit, we sit, we sit. And so trying to counter that, um, you know, I, I talked about this on our, maybe the first time I was ever on the podcast, but getting to live in a different part of the world where people walk places, it is amazing how much functional they are into the later stages in their life. And so the, we cannot overestimate the power of going for a walk stretching for five minutes in the middle of your day. Um, so just starting to move, get off the couch, mm-hmm. and then eliminate sugar. Eliminate sugar. It's what, I mean, we see it with the pandemic right now. Um, the 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 comorbidities comor- that are associated with um, COVID-19 and the things that are uh, affecting our world and have just transformed our view of the world. Right now, the associations with chronic disease that we can directly tie back to Sugar. Refined carbohydrates, yeah, pastries, sugars, you know, uh, it's just, it's very sad, but it also is very hopeful because we know what to do. Like, it's not a secret. You know, we know that Coke is paying millions and millions and millions of dollars to downplay the role of sugar um, in kids and adults. Um, that's why we didn't even talk about it in the fifties and sixties. There's a lot of 50 and 60 year olds who are victims of what all these companies, big sugar companies um, have tried to push down with the saturated fat. They believe that saturated fat is what's causing heart disease. That's killing, you know, 600,000 people a year in the U S and it's just because it was just, you know, it was just a lot about trying to hide the impact that sugar has. And so for us off the couch, off the sugar, if you can do those two things, I think that um, you'll begin to put some uh, more or less investment into that account of your later decades.
1: Mm-hmm. Both those things are happening while you're at a Metcon in Coyote Fitness. You're not on the couch and you're not eating sugar, at least for that hour. Shameless plug. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Great episode. Let's move on. All right. Oh, no. Segment. Maybe we should do the other other parts of the episode.
0: If you want. Yeah. I mean, uh, what do you guessing? guys? I don't know what's
1: going on. So. <laughs> Neither do we. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, Outside. Outside. Outside the box! Oh, and lower. Wow. Yeah. I did not see it coming. Hey, I'm full of surprises. Yeah. And so Just are like you. Just like your 70s. Yeah. <laughs> the 70s or our yes, 70s? all of them. Okay. All right. I'm totally nervous about this, by the way.
0: The, uh, you guys chose not to hear the... Um, the the prompt for this outside the box beforehand Mm -hmm. and i think you're gonna regret it because (laughs) um not as much as next week potentially okay next Next two weeks okay yeah whenever we're together uh all right are you guys ready if you need if you need to uh i can i can ask the question and we can take a beat you can process think back through your childhood Whatever you got to do. You can pause the podcast without everybody knowing, right? Mm, True. Uh, We've Mm. never done that before, ever.
1: Yeah, unprecedented, but we could do it this time. Yeah,
0: we'll make changes. All right. (laughs) Are you
1: guys ready? Yes.
0: Let's do it. If you had to pick three action movie stars, so all three of you are doing this together, if you had to pick three action movie stars to help you survive the zombie apocalypse, which three would you pick? Caveat, you cannot pick... um, Sorry, you're picking their character. You're picking a character that these people have played. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, but you cannot pick some uh, a character that was in a zombie movie. It has to be you know? an action, like you so can't. It can't be Brad Pitt from World War Z. Like that's that's not allowed because okay. that's a zombie movie. And
1: also like MacGyver's off the no. choices because he's not in a in a movie, right? No, or he probably wasn't a movie. You right? can choose MacGyver. You can choose MacGyver. So here, okay.
0: maybe this will help you. I'll give you my three.
1: Yeah, that right. would help. Yeah, because okay. I'll mess this up if if I go
0: first. Okay, so my three, um, and I'll explain why I picked them as I go. So I chose uh, Brad Pitt as Achilles in the movie Troy. All right. Oh yeah, that's great. Okay, yeah. I okay. see where you're going. The yeah. reason for that, that dude's a killing machine. <laughs> Literally, with just a sword, he wiped out probably you know eight dozen people in the span of about fifteen minutes in that
1: movie. In slow mo. Yeah. It's beautiful absolutely. to watch. With yeah. great arms. Yeah. Yeah.
0: People talk about Fight Club, Brad Pitt. Psst. Take a look back at Achilles. Come, on, come yeah. on. Tan, blonde hair. I mean, I don't know what more you want. Uh, but you know, one of the one of the things you could say is that like, well, he's not gonna understand the technology of today. Doesn't need it. I agree. I would agree with that. You don't think Achilles can adapt to a wherever he's just beamed into existence. Yeah. That man is pure killing machine. He'll figure it out whether it's with a sword or, you know, a pistol. Okay. It doesn't matter. Okay. All right. Plus, somebody's got to swing like a spiked club at some point, and I'm going to choose keyless to do that. Yep. After that, I've got Mark Watney, uh, played by Matt Damon from The Martian. All right? If Whoa. you never saw The Martian, Mark Watney was a botanist, that literally grew potatoes on Mars. Hold on. You just chose a botanist <laughs> for the zombie apocalypse. I'm thinking about survivability here. I want to make it out.
1: We are, we're in a basement forever. Grow exactly. food. You're, you're next level on this. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I We've didn't talk much during that previous If we segment, kill them all, so we yeah. still have to eat. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm going to trust him. Well, not even just purely for the food's sake. Someone that can grow potatoes and I think it was other vegetables too, on Mars has to have some genetic makeup in himself that he just knows how to survive, all right? I have to assume that Mars is tougher than these zombie apocalypse. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Minimal resources, doing things from scratch pretty much. Sounds like apocalypse to me. Yep. Mark Watney. Sounds like data. a lot of thought
2: went into that choice. Man, did it. Absolutely.
0: Uh, finally, uh, probably my favorite person on the list uh because it serves two purposes he knows how to just make it out of a tough situation and he just seems like a really fun guy to have around all right and it's going to be chuck nolan played by tom hanks in the movie castaway that <laughs> dude spent years on his own uh, on his own on a deserted island probably not even deserted island
1: because there was nothing on there yeah. so it just to be deserted yeah speaking of uh dental health this guy removed a cavity with the the ice skate yeah i mean <laughs> yeah i completely forgot about that yeah wow you know, so, wow. That, you know yeah.
0: that scene where he kills a fish like it's like in the water far away and he's like out of focus far away and you just see him throw a spear and then boom mm-hmm. 30 feet away Stabs a fish yeah. from this dartboard over here. I hear
2: that
1: Ben, you've been preparing for that. Yeah, I mean, I could be this guy. I was
0: hyping up your uh, pretty dart much. Yeah, again.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm basically like that version of Tom Hanks is kind of me. You know, yeah, yeah, could be famous. I almost picked you, funny. but you're not a. The beard is there. The beard Actually, is there. You've sorry, already yeah. prepped. Yeah. yeah. So
0: I realize now that I poorly worded the question. Action movie characters is what I should have said. Yeah, no, I so, got it. I got that part. But I just, you know, very anyway. impressive choices. Yep, Achilles, Mark Watney, and Chuck yeah. Nolan. It's gonna be great. Okay, I think I'll make it. All right, uh, those are
2: great. Thanks. Can we go back and forth here, Ben? Just to give us a little more time to think, you and I. Yeah, no, I think
1: I've got my three. They, oh, you've they got won't three. be popular, but I think I have them. Okay. Wow. Well, even more time for you to wait. Yeah. yeah well, let's just think. yeah, let's just okay. go with number one. Okay, I have a, this uh, falls under a little bit of recency bias. I'll acknowledge that. The first guy I'm going to pick is Jean Luc Picard. Number one, right? Because somehow he's always alive at who, the... Who plays him? Uh, uh, Patrick Stewart. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's always alive at the end of these impossible situations. Yeah. Everybody trusts him as a leader. He's known throughout... Is that
0: recency bias? Yeah.
1: It's i has been just, around a long time. Well, I just watched Picard. So I kind of... Oh. I know how it ends. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm like, man, this guy all the way till the end, quote unquote, no spoiler alerts. Yeah. Uh, just, he winds up on top, man. And... Everybody, even the, at the end of his career, really respects him that's on the right side of the fence. So, very yeah. smart guy, very smart guy, yeah. incredibly intelligent, and he's kind of from the future. So, uh, yes, <laughs> you know, yeah, so absolutely, that would be very helpful. So, that's that's my number one. So, you want to roll out your number one, Caleb, or you want me to go through this? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, second, I'm gonna pick is uh, and her name's escaping me, uh, Katniss. Jen Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence plays her, but you're choosing Katniss. I'm choosing Katniss. That is a
0: great choice. I didn't even think about the Hunger Games. Mm, yeah, I'm That's choosing a good choice. I'm
1: choosing Katniss because well, she's been through the Hunger Games and she also has connections to other people who have been through the Hunger Games and they they're just a different kind of violent, you know That's what I mean? That's true. So, they will hide out for weeks on end and poison people and uh, they they're just comfortable with murder. For the sake of which survival. is what
0: you need yeah, yeah. you're yeah. not just killing zombies in a zombie apocalypse it's other and the people. reality yeah. is
2: you know I think that because they were going for a little different audience they kept it PG-13 but it could have been but it could yeah. I mean that whole story like mm. that could have been
1: now you got me unrated. intrigued now I
0: kind of want to see the rated R version that could have been
1: unrated hunger games is yeah. oh yeah, yeah. It was it what happened off camera in the hunger games oh, yeah. that's yeah. Yes. the really interesting yeah, part it yeah. is Yeah. <laughs> so that's All right, the so, whole uh, movie I'm choosing Katniss, and not because she's easy to look at. I mean because of the things that she can accomplish. Thank you for that qualifier. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that you can hear me hitting the table when I say Uh, that. Yeah, we definitely can. Okay. Understood. All right, the last one, a little bit of a departure, but it's just kind of my quirky personality. All right. I'm going to take the professor from Gilligan's Island. I have no reference for that.
2: Um Action, i know the action. show so okay the description the description was action so At we need to time, understand a little bit about why that's an action i mean
1: a three-hour tour and a movie but it is a three hour tour been, that's yeah. there's not definitely easy Gilligan that's a movie I, put it in the google machine not, uh i guess there is a movie yeah Sorry. so <laughs> you've got a guy that was just heading out on a boat for three hours he survives for seasons and he's always the inventor, okay? He's always, yeah, he's yeah. always the inventor, and he kind of calms people down, right? And he he deals with people that all kind of different personality types. So I just have to accept what you're saying because I, I, trust me, okay. I'm going on with this. If we end up in a situation where I am in some sort of compound with a lot of different kind of people, yeah, and yeah. they don't respond to Jean Luc Picard's leadership because you know what, your Federation little dots don't mean anything in the zombie apocalypse. I need a guy like the professor
0: mm.
2: who
1: can say, look, nobody really wants to be here. But look, I invented this thing out of a coconut and distracts everybody for the next 27 minutes until the episode's over. So I'm going to yeah, have those three, three people and I'm going to take my chances.
0: I, you know, I don't think that's too bad. I don't, yeah, I could get behind yeah, it. Yeah, I
1: could get behind it. That's okay. I still for think mine's seasons. better. I <laughs> mean, he lasted for seasons. <laughs> Are they ever no, going
0: No to real kill? amount of time, just seasons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's my three.
2: Jeez, all right. Cool. Well, so here's what I was thinking. I was kind of going through trying to decide, and then I started thinking most of the time we pick, um, what's the good guy in the movies called? He's the Protagon. pr- protagonist. protagonist. Yeah. You got the antagonist. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking... Do I want a protagonist with me or an antagonist? Mm, That guy is going
1: to be able to do the dirty work. We picked protagonists, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah.
2: So I'm going to give you one of each. And then the third one we're going to, I think, I'm still on the fence about, but we may have to collectively decide. Okay. So uh, Russell Crowe, Maximus. I feel like that comes up any time a movie, anything Mm -hmm. with a movie comes up. Gladiator comes up. Um, it's just I can't ever think of top lists of movies, characters, well, and I'll, not bring I'll it up. Yeah. So I agree. know that's kind of I boring. Everybody, oh
0: no no, 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 we might have just lost our listeners. There, he's a like, militant survivor. Super cliche. But we have a very male heavy audience, so I think you're still like okay. if you're gonna pick Offends anyone, every woman listening, like <laughs> anyone, you know, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and away.
2: we really just lost. <laughs> so I mean, Maximus, you gotta. I'm hey, embarrassed, easy, I'm embarrassed easy on the eyes. Yeah, is, I'm
1: embarrassed I didn't think of him. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. All right, and then I'm going to go with uh, antagonist here. Okay, so Great. my other go-to movie is always The Patriot, right? Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So here's, here's what I'm thinking. Uh, John Isaacs plays the colonel. Mm. Um, his name is, do you guys know his name? I can look it up right now. Um,
1: yeah. Oh, man. I'm going. I don't think I could kill my desire to watch that man die. Because that whole movie, I was like, you, you. you know? What is his name? Hold on, what I got is you, his name. He's been uh, in other things. He's an incredible Uh actor.
0: Colonel William Tav- Tavington.
1: Tavington. Tavington. Yeah.
2: So I'm going to just, I'm going to go antagonist here and I'm going to take Colonel Tavington. Um Man, because I love Woods
1: with Mel Gibson handling everyone with a hatchet. <laughs> you're going to pick the guy. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. And I think. Look at back brains. on it maybe but I think that it's you got to have a guy that you can send out to do something you don't want to do. Mm. You know and of course Mel Gibson may be the the worst example of that cuz he did what he needed to do and yeah. more yeah. with that hatchet.
1: I know what you're saying though is, is it's like behind the scenes the guy that thinks outside of the box and is willing to do the dirty work for everyone else to stay the alive. The dirty work. Yeah. Yeah. He that's my Katniss. That's what I'm sending Katniss out to do. That's your Katniss there. Yeah. You just picked a, a middle-aged man with a Ponytail, so.
0: Well, I mean, if you're picking from that area, it's kind of hard to avoid ponytails. ponytails. Yeah, yeah. So, Better than the wig.
1: Yeah, I just have prejudice against people who have hair that age. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so your third, we have to debate.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, no, we're not really debating here. We're going to collectively, I think we want to pick the one that you guys didn't think about, mm. we're gonna we're gonna give you guys a, somebody we're missing that someone be on we're this missing. List.
0: Yeah, I feel like we owe it to our audience to collectively also, put our minds together. I kind of had the caveat on there that you couldn't pick somebody with superpowers. Oh, that, see, I was, uh, was a little yeah. bit cheating, but I didn't put this on person on the list because it's kind of in the gray area. But I really don't consider it superpowers. I think Tony Stark, uh, mm. given how he breaks out of his prison in Iron Man, the first Iron Man.
1: Is a really good example of ingenuity in yeah, a really he, crappy situation. He did heart surgery on himself. Exactly, yeah. with Stark is kind of the modern MacGyver. Yeah, so that that would work. It I, is. I tried to put the Incredible Hulk on my list, but then I, I realized in your question you where he was going the with the question. that. Yeah, yeah you yeah. couldn't. I couldn't. But it would be a real advantage to have someone that strong with you. And, and also yeah, that angry.
0: Yeah. Like there would the zombies wouldn't stand the chance. I feel like if that was, <laughs> they going would just say yeah. like,
1: no, no, that's where the Hulk is. There are plenty of other weak people. Yeah, we can, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> other two people you brought with you would just do nothing. So it'd be,
0: you'd, you'd have that company and yeah. I'm stuck with Colonel Tavington. Yeah, now now be you're be looking awful. for people to help yeah. watch people or zombies get killed by a green monster. Did we, yeah. did we want to go into like some of the intellectual things, which I, now that I'm thinking about it, like the, picking a botanist. Yeah. That may be a
2: good idea. Yeah. yeah. But even like, like guys like Marty Bird from Ozark. I'm like, man, what creative things might we need yeah, to that's employ I, to fight this
0: battle without especially if we're gonna go opposite the Hulk. Yeah. You know? So one of the one of the tips I can give if you're trying to do this list at home is to Google <laughs> <laughs> Not while you're driving. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and pull over right now. <laughs> Use this quick tip. Uh I just Googled like survival movies and like picked who I thought was the smartest person. Uh, on the list as far as like survivability goes, and that's how I came up with the Martian.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, episode, I was so. gonna. I was. I was really leaning towards Denzel in every
0: movie he's ever done. That's a good point. Yeah. So, so, yeah. If, but but you that did, like, if you, you can alive. tell is kind of a guy with superpowers. Just in it general, is, so yeah. It's yeah. If you cheating. could
2: collectively, like, I had Denzel as my third, and I was like,
1: man, that's just kind of like. That's too easy. That's a quality pick. Again, embarrassed that I didn't think of this guy. Yeah. Book of Eli, and in another movie, he lands... A Book a, of Eli's a good choice. His yeah, he, he, he lands oh, he's the blonde. plane upside he could, down. He yeah. could take the... Yeah. 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 Yeah, Denzel Washington. I thought
2: about... um. Sorry if I just spoiled that movie. He's blonde. The whole time. <laughs> really, really old movie. Really <laughs> old movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like 08, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also thought about uh Tom Cruise's character from Mission Impossible cuz like that, that dude does not get hurt ever and you have in the, any situation. Yeah,
2: and the comedy of a couple of those lines in those movies where you just look at whoever you're watching the movie with like, did he really just yeah. say that? Like,
1: my team's dead, Jim. <laughs> They're all dead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, but- I uh this is I think this may be I would really be curious to hear your guys' response to this person. I almost put on the list uh, John Krasinski's person from the uh, A Quiet Place Ooh. because it's post, post-apocalyptic post mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. not zombies so we're not breaking any rules that you dude, gotta be quiet though exa- for zombies yeah, yeah.
1: Exa- yeah not right. a bad point right there he's um, able to handle himself and his family and you know that he's willing to sacrifice himself to save you uh, Spo- spoiler spoiler he yeah. dies yeah go back and watch that one because well, the we second the tra- one's coming out we here see the series. trailer he's not yeah he's not in the trailer well they yeah.
0: snuck him into the trailer i think but yeah he's dead yeah yeah he's gone well, pretty, you know.
1: pretty much based on the grief of his children
0: so. that would probably be my
2: three b i'm feeling really good that i was selfless enough to give that third pick we had a good
0: yeah
1: yeah i we, feel like that was really those were really great answers to that wacky question yeah th- thanks <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome so I'm a little nervous to move into this uh, segment with the uh, recommend, recommend. How do you do that? Uh, not on here. Yeah, either way. We yeah. we say recommends in funny ways. But usually it's just us making fun of Hunter on the things that he recommends. Which, yeah. by the way, since he's not here, I can say he does have great recommends. It's a very valuable part of this podcast. <laughs> so I have one that is like a, as an homage to Hunter, as a, a way to honor Hunter. It is a book, but I'm not reading it. I'm, <laughs> I'm listening to it oh okay it was recommended to me the cover looks
0: really good so i'm gonna
1: recommend it yes, to It you. looks great on the shelf in your office <laughs> or your nightstand yeah i see how this goes yeah. uh no, no 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 this is uh this is a real thing it was recommended to me only a few short days ago and it is captivating all right that's it's, the name of the book captivating <laughs> no oh. i would i would not there is um this thing that Audible is doing now that's kinda like Audible Originals or they're they're expanding what they do, right?
0: Every platform's gotta do the Netflix originals. Yeah. Prime originals.
1: Exactly. In this case, they did a fantastic job. It is an original called Break Shot, My First Twenty One Years by James Taylor. Whoa. Whoa.
0: Does he narrate
1: it? Oh yes. yes and that is a good recommendation they break in with some of he's playing some of his songs and it is it is just really really what a good idea yeah it is really really well done but he gives the backstory whether you're a james taylor fan or not inconsequential yeah this guy went through a crazy first 21 years speaking of decades all sorts spoiler alert he dies (laughs) yeah later he will Yes, oh, okay. uh, later as we all will uh um, yeah. hold on
2: it's included in audible like
1: yes your it's Audible's, free it's free it's free oh it's free and it's roughly what like an hour and a half
2: oh yeah that's great okay yeah, i was free. thinking i'm like how am i gonna fit this into the month no, 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 a whole no, nother no. book it's,
1: it's, he does a great job of zooming through and the implication is there will be more is he the, a good narrator oh yeah Yeah, oh yeah he's got a good voice not
0: singing but like just talking he's fun Mm -hmm. to listen to yeah
1: so there's a a lot of stories obviously about addiction but the interesting thing is he will tell a story you know maybe five or six minutes and then he'll say and that's the person that i was talking about in fire and rain you're like whoa i just heard this extensive story captivated by all the details now i know who Suzanne is when he says, Suzanne, the plans they made put an end to you. When he says stuff like that, do you pause the book and go and listen to the song? Uh, no, I waited till after and went oh, back okay. and listened to those. But the most interesting uh, person that he talks about is his brother. He, he lost his brother at 46. Mm. And there's a song about his brother, Alex, but in the song, it turns into Alice. And then he goes on this whole explanation about how creatively sometimes what starts the idea has to be modified to make a good song. So he's talking about his brother, Alex, for the whole song, but people don't know that because in the song it says Alice mm. because it makes more sense with the last uh, last verse. But anyway, I could talk about this for a while. You, it's free.
2: That's cool, yeah. <laughs> it's free. And it's, and it's 90 minutes. It's if free you real estate. Free time, real estate. So that's my, half,
1: my free... recommend. Yeah, it t- technically would fall under a book, I guess, but it's an uh, audio version. Yeah. Audiobook. Yeah. Audiobook. Yeah. Oh. I can give one.
0: If you want one. Only if it starts with what what you're gonna What you're gonna need <laughs> is all right, so we went through all these uh decades that you're uh hopefully gonna live through. Um that was kind of dark. That yeah, was <laughs> dark. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um it's you're never too early to find the best uh house shoes or like house slippers you're ever gonna own. All right. This is gold. I'm glad you're going here. Yeah. yeah. Um now it's unconventional and they're freaking ugly. Okay. But they're incredibly practical. All right. Academy Sports and Outdoors. Uh great store. Um <laughs>
1: <laughs> what you're gonna need <laughs> Academy Sports and Out- people are like, what is that? Is that a different just Academy folks. Oh, That's okay. what we said, I yeah. like I like including the subtext. Okay.
0: It. Uh, they have, uh, non-slip shoes that are built for like kitchen staff people. So like you don't slip on oh, the greasy floors these, like, Usually all black. Yes. Okay. The only color you're allowed to wear apparently with non-slip shoes. <laughs> Coincidentally, the non-slip shoes that I bought are slip on. All right. You combine those with a nice pair of socks. Those things are waterproof. If you walk outside on your driveway, remember, you're, yeah.
2: <laughs> if you walk outside, being
0: the, yeah. If you're confident enough to walk outside, well, um, I mean, with these, not these slip-on shoes. These, What's gonna happen? That's totally Seinfeld. These are for the people that are confident, confident enough in their lives to have something that may not be aesthetically pleasing, but is truly beneficial to your
1: lounging uh, existence. Most all people right. just go socks, and you regret that uh, if you're if you're home for a while.
0: Or you go the soft, cushiony uh, house shoes that uh, catch your and <laughs> are like they're warm. Yeah, that's about all they do. But if you walk outside in the rain, sometimes when you have to, like. Who wants to change into like rubber boots or something when they need to go do something real quick on a Saturday morning and it's been raining? Well, hmm.
2: and here's the other thing: the the ones that have the extra fluff inside that always gets pushed down after time, and so then you're it left with useless. a shoe that's yeah. two yeah. sizes too big. Yep. Totally temporary slides benefit.
0: around. Yeah, these Who things don't up? stretch. Yeah. All right, non-slip shoes. I think the brand I have is Brazos. B R A Z O S. I think that's what they are. Yeah. They got the label on the back and it's yellow. Okay. They're like $25.
1: I'm going to get some of that. I've had them
0: for two years now and there is not a sign of wear. (laughs) Never had uh, wet feet while wearing them unless, you know, it's hot. You're really worried about the rain. That must have been a a very... um, Well, I just, I don't want to have to change shoes to just go outside real quick to do something.
1: Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I get
0: it. This is a niche recommendation. All right. Totally Not worthy of making fun. You just don't have to participate if you, do want, <laughs> if you don't want to. All right, Steven?
1: Yeah, people are don't need fun to of hear right about now. this later. You're going to get 17 pairs of these things shipped to you.
0: Great. <laughs> I don't think my foot's getting any bigger, so I got them for a while.
1: All right, Caleb recommends. recommends Caleb episode recommends.
0: Over. Um. <laughs>
2: uh. So I'm. I just finished a book series that started. Uh, Navy SEAL Jack Carr um, served for 20 years. He was uh, his Mom was a librarian, so he grew up around books and he read a lot so when a he was with the mm. SEAL teams.
1: Most SEALs are nerds,
2: um, but he gets out, knows he wants to do write fiction, um, but he combines it with some current events and things, and it's it's like you know Jack Reacher and these characters mm-hmm. are just like they are timeless characters. Well, a lot of that stuff still is kind of dated, and it's not very detailed from a military perspective. And so what he does is he's created this character James Reese who. Is um, it? It just kind of adds some uh, modernity, modernness. Mm -hmm. Either way, modern modernity, yeah.
1: Modernism. I don't know.
2: Um, Great. It's very modern. It's very up to date. Uh, Yeah. 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 Uh. (laughs) So anyway, so he's written these books. Uh, First one's called Terminal List. Jack Carr, look him up. He was on Joe Rogan a year ago talking about. I okay the I did not recognize the name. But he's he uses CrossFit. He actually specifically uses terms like CrossFit, Black Rifle Coffee. He gives yeah. a lot of shout outs to some of his like his buddies who have mm. started businesses and things. So yeah. it's a little bit more than just like the vague kind of um, you know. Military fiction, or even just a fiction like it feels uh, like it actually it, exists it in the real feels world. like it exists in the real world gotcha um, and the depth and things that he gets into from like if you 're a fan of military, even like non fiction but mm-hmm. uh, it really is kind of intriguing because you learn something about what the military does and how their lives are, and so he talks land Rover people like he talks about Land Rover and the company that 's one of his personal. Interest and so it just goes a lot deeper than typical fiction books that are kind of like series where you just kind of fly through them. So uh, I'm a big fan of the like military life and and what it's like. That's so far removed from anything that I'm skilled with or mm. would consider as some of my my gifts. And so I love reading about those guys because they're just incredibly special. But he's created this fictional character that he plays off of a lot of his 20 years actually being a Navy SEAL. And so, so, what's the starting book again? The Terminal List. Terminal List. Yep. And it plays into the government. And conspiracy theorists, people will like really love this. But Mm. even if you're not um, crazy into the politics of certain things going on in the culture, this book will give you a lot of things to think about. And um, it hits on a lot of these things that I think we all can identify with Um, you know, revenge and. So terminal list the does, terminal list the is Clintons book one there up? are four and i read all four of these in the last four months three months and just oh, flew through them go. and now the fifth one's not till next spring so i'm still it's like netflix like you find a series you love and you fly through it and then you're like wait 2023 is when the next episode so we're four in he's writing the fifth one now
1: uh what what did i do did i you just you went very hunter there Oh, I've yeah. read them so quickly. I've just read all these yeah, books so no, fast.
2: No, it's just, it's my nighttime kind of read and kind of helps me wind <laughs> down and get into a different world. I'm so. having
1: popcorn and m ms You're reading books. That's yeah. the difference between no. them.
0: Is there like killing in the book? Oh yeah. Some of the torture
2: things are things that are like, this gets into like, not I'm that it's, it's super gory, but some of the things that he does to get information and things aren't just like your... Your uh, cable television, you know, MacGyver stuff. It's mm. like, this is, this that is, may have a, this is like HBO stuff.
1: Yeah. You know, wow. a little
2: mm. bit, a little bit deeper, but, and it's not even like the gore. It's more just the thought and the why and just the science behind certain things.
1: Mm. Great. So. Great recommends. I'm proud of us, guys. It sounds violent. All right. So we are making the turn to get to the next episode, which you will want to tune in for or keep listening because we are going to attack. Have we, have we,
0: done, what are we doing right we've never I'm, done i'm this. adding it
1: i'm adding the teaser it. yeah teaser for the next episode we're going to talk about supplements all about supplements
2: we're going to talk about how to cheat your way through all the things we talked about in the previous in this yes. episode you know the nutrition yeah, and the investment and coyote the, fitness is releasing
1: a discipline pill we, we are going yeah we're gonna make it here's the easy <laughs> way out people yeah all right stay tuned next episode join us again Back in a while. Mm -hmm. I'm just doing this because you're hating it, Chase. I I don't like this. Supplements next episode. Yeah. All right. See ya.